Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. get our Bibles this morning. I want to direct your attention to the book of Philippians chapter 3. The book of Philippians chapter 3 and verse 7, 8, and 9. If you've been around church for any length of time, this is a very familiar passage of scripture. Matter of fact, Bishop's book, if you don't have a copy, be sure to pick up one on your way out that I may know him. Amen. Talks about this very passage. Something on my heart today. You know, they they say that um, a message from the head just simply reaches the head, but a message from the heart reaches the heart. And this is something that God is dealing in my life about that I want to improve on. And so hopefully, if pastor preaches at pastor, it'll hit somebody else along the way. Amen. But I want to direct your attention to Philippians chapter 3 and verse 7. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I may win Christ that and be found in him not having my own righteousness which is of the law but that which is through the faith of Christ the righteousness which is of God by faith I count all things but loss for Christ I want to talk to you today about the path to passion the path to passion can you say that with me the path to passion. Heavenly Father, we love you today. We pray, God, that you would help, Lord Jesus, our minds to embrace your word. Speak to us through your word, Lord Jesus. These are not just the words of Paul, but they are anointed. They are breathed by you into Paul. Lord, let it breathe in us. Lord, these divine words, we give you the praise for it all in Jesus' mighty name name. Let everybody say amen. God bless you. You may be seated. The path to passion. What component of character helps propel people into the next level of life and success? What intangible quality Distinguishes those who excel and those who simply maintain. What trait separates the growing and progressing from the status quo living of sustaining life as a norm? There is a common, peculiar, particular quality that is essential for success both in the world but certainly for the child of God. In a word that is passion. Passion. Can everybody say passion? Now will you say it with passion? Passion. The business world, the world of psychology, the art world, and the sports world all understand this concept. Passion separates success from just common. Being a uh, an NBA player, a person can be really good, but if he has no passion, he won't go very far. Leaders who make their mark on history were also marked with 
passion. Winston Churchill was noted for his fiery speeches. Abraham Lincoln was noted for his passion and leading. Do you realize, and I'm going to just set this here, uh, do you realize that slavery was a global problem? Still is. It wasn't just an American problem. It wasn't just a problem in the United States, but it was a global problem. Yet our country is the only one that went to war to solve it. Can you thank the Lord for America? Amen. Amen. I know a lot is said bad about our country, and, and, and so I sidebarred for that. Let me get back to what I'm talking about today. The Urban Dictionary defines passion is when you put more energy into something that is required to do it. It is more than just enthusiasm or excitement. Passion is ambition that is materialized into action to put as much heart, mind, body, and soul into something as much as possible. Sound like scripture. Amen. Jesus said that the word says that we're to love the Lord with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. Somebody say passion. Passion. The gifted artist Vincent Van Gogh one time said, I'd rather die of passion than of boredom. I'd rather die of passion than of boredom. I want to tell you how to get more out of church. I want to tell you how to get more out of your walk with God. Is foster an attitude and a spirit of passion. John Maxwell said this, one person with passion is greater than 99 who only have interest. Who only have interest. Passion is that intangible trait that helps ignite our will and launches it into action. It is that trait that ignites our will and launches us into action. Passion is part of what fueled King David to be a tremendous worshiper. He, he wrote many songs of worship and demonstrated an art and a heart for worship. The Bible says that Jesus was eaten up with passion for his house. A passion or a zeal for the house of the Lord. Passion is when our willpower becomes our want power. It becomes when our willpower becomes our want power. Those who possess passion for their cause are the ones who will refuse to bend to peer pressure, to complacency, to status quo, to mediocrity. Part of the reason that the three Hebrews would not bow to the golden idol was because they had passion about what they believed. They had a passion for their cause. David went after a giant called Goliath because he had a passion when he said, Is there not a cause? One, of the, one thing I believe that we need to understand today about passion is that you can pray for passion, but we have to go after it. God's not going to just give you passion as a gift just simply because you pray for it. You have to be willing to go after it. you got to be willing to pursue it. You have to be willing to make the decision. I refuse to be apathetic about the gospel. I refuse to be indifferent about my praise. I refuse to be indifferent about living for God. I refuse to be apathetic about doctrine and truth and scripture. I want to be a, a child of God that's consumed with passion. Passion. The Apostle Paul is a great example of a life that is stamped over and over with this thing called passion. Yes, God sustained him and kept him, but he also connected passion to God's power. For he said that familiar phrase in Philippians, he said, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. He didn't say, Christ come and do everything for me. Christ come and help me be what I ought to be. You, you move me. We're not mind-numb robots, but we have got to have passion. I can do I can do. 
I can do. I can fulfill. I can live for God. Amen. Nobody will last very long living for the Lord without passion, without determination that says, I love my king and I'm going to serve my king. I love this life. I love living for him and I do it with fervor and I do it with passion. Paul also said for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I'm living this life now so that I can live again. Oh God, would you baptize us with a fresh understanding and a refocus of our passion. I mean, though, life is full of ups and downs. Just being real, life is full of ups and downs. Life is full of ups and downs. There are times when we can become apathetic and indifferent. And we can get to the part where we feel drained. Anybody ever felt drained? Can I ask you this question? Did, did the, 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 the two years of 20 and 21 drain the life out of you? If it didn't, will you see me after church? Because I want to know whatever it is you're drinking and eating, and I'll take it. But but 20 and 21 and all the COVID mess and all the cancel culture and all the issues of our land, all this mess that went on, and then we move from this point to that point, it's draining. It's draining. Well, when you begin to be drained, you can become indifferent. You can become apathetic. You can begin to say, it, well, I'm just tired of it. I, 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 I'm going on a permanent vacation. I'm I'm going to set myself aside. There are times that we get our priorities out of balance. There are times that our energy is zapped. There are times that our gumption got up and gone. There are times my dad used to say we've lost our spizzerinctum. We've lost our passion. Amen. And sometimes our passion and our vision needs to be readjusted. Vision sees what is important and passion goes after it. Amen. You may have a vision but if you don't have a passion to do it if you don't have the want to if you don't have I've got to oh Paul said it like this woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel of Jesus Christ I can't do anything else because there was a passion that drove him the question is how do we get our passion back how do we get our passion back the apostle Paul I believe provides a pathway to ignite our passion. He begins in, in, in Philippians 3 and verse 1. He says, finally, my brethren. Everybody say, finally, my brethren. Do what? Rejoice in the Lord. Study Philippians and you'll soon discover that rejoicing is a central theme throughout the book. Paul said rejoice in the Lord. So the first thing you've got to understand to ignite your passion, you've got to start rejoicing. Start rejoicing. Start rejoicing. Nobody has passion that lives in the mully grubs. Nobody has passion that's constantly critical and constantly complaining. Nobody has passion, amen, like that. But when I can start saying, I choose to rejoice. I choose to have joy. I choose to praise my God. I choose to see that God's still in charge. For it says, rejoice in the Lord. I don't rejoice in the man. I don't rejoice because of the mess. I don't rejoice because of what I've experienced. But I can turn around and say, I will rejoice in the Lord. I find a reason to rejoice. I find a reason to rejoice. Paul is saying, find your chief joy in the Lord. Rejoice. Interesting means joy again. That's Tim Gill's definition. Don't go Google it because you probably won't find it. My is joy again and again and again and again and again. Somebody say again. Rejoice. Be glad again. Amen. Rejoice. Be well and thrive again. Passion comes when we decide to add joy to our way of looking at life. If you constantly look at life as if this won't work, it probably won't. If you have an idea that this won't succeed, 
It probably won't. Amen. But if you determine I am an overcomer because the Word says I'm an overcomer, I am victorious because the Word says I am victorious. Hallelujah. This is something we've got to decide to pursue. And that's the joy of the Lord. You can't find the joy of the Lord in media. You can't find the joy of the Lord on social media. You can't find the joy of the Lord in this world. Hollywood don't have it. Amen. The sports world don't have it. There's one place you can find joy today and that's in the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Come on and praise Him in this house. I choose joy. You want to know how to get your passion back? Amen. Choose joy. Choose it. It's a choice. But it comes from the Lord. Nehemiah 8 and 10. Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holding to the Lord, neither be ye sorry. Neither be ye sorry. But what does it say? For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Hallelujah. The joy of the Lord is your fortified place. The joy of the Lord is your place of defense, your force. Amen. It is your fortress. It is your stronghold. The joy of the Lord is a strong defense against every attack of the enemy. Amen. You know what? Look to your neighbor and smile at them. Even if you don't feel it, just smile at them right quick. At least let them think that you're up to something. It doesn't say the happiness of the Lord. It says the joy of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And if you will begin to rejoice in the Lord, Nehemiah was encouraging Israel to look to the Lord for their joy. Not the wall being fallen down, not their issues around them, but the joy of the Lord is my strength. My joy doesn't come from this outside world, but it comes from the Lord. And it will help ignite my passion. Rejoice. Psalm 1611 says, You show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. I don't have any joy, Pastor. I don't have any joy. Everything around me is bad. This is bad. That's bad. This is horrible. I've got this problem. Got that problem. Amen. Let's go get in his presence. Let's go get in his, let's spend some time in his presence. Let's spend some time, amen, whether it be in prayer by ourselves or in worship with the body of Christ. Anybody need some joy in this house? Is there anybody besides me that needs some joy in this house? I will tell you one surefire guaranteed place you go find it, and that is in the presence of the Lord. Not just joy, but the fullness of joy. Jesus said, I've come to bring you joy. In the world you have tribulation. But I have come to bring you joy. Amen. You want to know how to get passion back? Start rejoicing every day. Start living your life every day with joy. You you got a choice. You can either be Tigger or Eeyore. In this life, there is no Winnie the Pooh. It's just either Tigger or Eeyore. You are either going to be bouncing and and joy in the Lord or are you going to find yourself in the basement digging ditches singing the blues? But I tell you, it's a choice. It's a choice that we've got to have. And if we want to get our passion back, we've got to make the choice to rejoice. Somebody say, I choose to rejoice. I don't rejoice in anything but the Lord. For the joy of the Lord is my strength. Hallelujah, I rejoice. It's the path of life. It is the joy in His presence. There's got to be a call that comes to us to rejoice. Rejoice describes a physical change in your countenance. One commentator said, a physical change in your countenance as an expression of inner transformation. He went on to write, I wish I knew who wrote this or I'd give him credit because it's really good. He went on to write, you can't fake a joyful face. 
You can, you can fake a, a happy face, but you can't fake a joyful face. He said, not really. Is a physical expression of joy and something that radiates to the people around you. You can walk around and say that you're rejoicing, but if it is not seen in your face, you are not rejoicing. Unquote. If it's not seen in your face, my dad used to tell me this. He used to say, Boy, are you happy? Yes, sir. He'd say, Notify your face. Notify your face. Turn to somebody and say, Notify your face. If you're joyful, it's not going to be. Uh, uh, hidden, it's going to come out. We ought, to, we ought to be the most joyful people in all the world. We've been saved. We've been filled with His Spirit. We're baptized in His name. We have the Holy Ghost. We have the source of joy in our life. We ought to be the most joyful people. Woe be unto a child of God that goes to Walmart and looking like a Missouri mule eating briar over a tin rail fence, all down and out, just got some, just, just got some persimmons that weren't ripe yet. Amen. Oh, you know what? They've chose that face. They chose that face. Praise God. You know. Here's a little clue. When I preach like this, saying amen will make me think that I'm not preaching to you. Somebody say amen. amen. See, we're just preaching today. Deuteronomy 12 and 7. And there, shall, and there ye shall eat before the Lord your God, and ye shall rejoice in all that you put your hand unto, ye in your households, wherein the Lord thy God hath blessed thee. 1 Chronicles 16 and 10, it says, Glory ye in his holy name. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. Let the heart of them that rejoice seek the Lord. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face continually. Oh, I'm telling you today that there can be a joy in our life that is beyond explanation. Hallelujah. Look at Psalm 5 and 11. But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy. Let them ever shout for joy. Because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. Let them shout for joy. Woohoo! Praise God. I've got a reason to shout. Hallelujah. I love how Habakkuk puts it. He says in 3 and 17. Although the fig tree shall not blossom. Neither shall the fruit be in the the vines, the labor of the olive shall fail, and the field shall yield no mate. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stall. This happens, that happens. He just names it all as being so bad and awful. He says in the next verse, yet I will rejoice. I'll joy again and again. I choose joy again and again. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. Can we give God just a few minutes of rejoicing in this place? Hallelujah. I know you've been through some... Oh, praise be to God. Praise be to God. I will rejoice. I will rejoice. Yet, I will rejoice. Paul was the one that wrote to the Thessalonian church, rejoice evermore. You want your passion back? Begin to rejoice. Genuine joy is found in the Lord. Not in people, not in product, not in things, not in events, but the Lord. Found in the Lord. So the first step of finding your Passion is to rejoice. Take an attitude and a choice of rejoicing. The second one is found in Philippians 3 and 2. It's an interesting statement. It was, beware of dogs. Beware of dogs. Now, I'm not going to get in the cat-dog war. There's some folks that love cats, and there's some folks that love dogs, and there's some folks that love both of them. And there's some folks that don't like any of them. 
But these dogs, he said, beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the concision. Who doesn't love these fluffy little dogs around? Cute little puppies. Here's the deal about puppies. They grow to be dogs. Well, I got this puppy when he was just this little. Now he's this big. You should have looked at him. should have found out what that breed was. I love dogs, but I will tell you, there's one kind of dog I don't care for. I don't care for mean dogs. I don't. I don't have, I have much patience for a mean dog. But mean dogs that are barking is one thing. But those silent ones come up behind you. They'll get you. They're bad. Watch out for those dogs. Paul is not talking here about lovable creatures, but he's referring to dirty, rotten, disease-ridden scavengers who run in packs. These dogs don't loot garbage cans, but they loot your mind. They're joy stealers. They're passion killers. Their doctrine and attitude is based on seeing how much they can devour and tear you up. Dogs here are varmints that are here to steal your joy and drain your passion. Isaiah said to wash out, watch out for these passion zappers. He said in 56 and 10, his watchmen are blind. They are all ignorant. They are all dumb dogs. They cannot bark, sleeping, lying down, loving to slumber. Yea, they're greedy dogs which can never have enough. And they are shepherds that cannot understand. They all look to their own way, every one for his gain and from his quarter. Here's the distincting mark that he gives us of these dogs. These evil dogs. These dumb dogs. They're ignorant. They're ignorant. You cannot warn you of impending doom because they're dumb. It's the one that comes up behind you that gets you. They're lazy. They're greedy. They have no discernment. They're selfish. He said, beware of these dogs. Beware of things that kill your passion. Beware of attitudes that kill your passion. Beware of things that come in to try to destroy that. He said, he calls them evil workers. Beware of evil workers. Who are these evil workers? Quite simply, one, anyone who works against the Lord is an evil worker. His church or his uh, people that, that are dealing with evil workers. You got to be careful of them. Rejoice in the Lord, but watch out for the dogs. Evil workers are those that that come with false doctrine and false teaching. They are teachers who depart from the truth of God's word. If their message doesn't line up with scripture, you need to watch out for them. They're, they're like dogs that are dumb that come up behind you without a bark, but their bite is definitely worse. They're negative. People that are negative and people that are out to destroy you and drain your passion. Beware of them. Beware of the, the concises, uh, or concision rather. Beware of the concision. What that word means is those that cut, or those that cut down, or those that mutilate. Paul here is referring to false teachers who did not understand the true nature and doctrine of circumcision. But for this message, let me give you an application. Beware of people that constantly cut other people down. Their passion killers. Beware of people who constantly talk bad about other folks to other folks about other folks. They constantly bring people down. They're passion killers. Amen. Be careful about how we cut others down and how we talk about others. It'll kill your passion within yourself. Amen. I want to tell you how to get close to passion is get rid of the, the concision. Get rid of the cutting down and the tearing down. Amen. Get rid of those that are passion killers and, and, and are butchers if you please with harsh attitudes and arrogant attitudes and not understanding the things of living for God. I want, to, I want you 
you to hear me today. If somebody doesn't understand your walk with the Lord and they want to cut you down because of your walk with God, watch out. They're out to kill your passion. They're out to kill your vigor for God, your zeal for the Lord. Go back to step one. Rejoice in the Lord. I rejoice in the Lord and I be, I'm aware. I'm, I'm being aware of the dogs that can bring along a cutting a cutting down, a constantly critiquing, constantly critiquing butchers. Beware of the concision. You got to watch those dogs. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, watch those dogs. The next thing Paul said is in verse 3, Philippians 3 and 3. For we are the circumcision which worship God in the spirit and rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. I want to tell you on this path to passion, one thing that is required and essential is set your focus on the proper thing. Set your focus on the proper thing. Amen. Passion must have the right vision, the right focus. What does he say? We are those that worship God in spirit. That is our spirit, little s, our emotions. We need to put our, you want your passion to be a part of what you're doing? Then put your passion in, in worshiping God in your spirit, with your emotions, with your flesh. With your hands clapping, with your hands raised, with your voice praising God, giving glory to God. To those that put their, their heart into that, that's where they find their passion. They find their passion by getting the proper focus. I don't come to worship God to impress you. I don't come to worship God to be impressed by you. I don't come to worship God because of what the praise team sings or doesn't sing. I come to worship Him he saved this Texas boy from sin fill me with his Holy Spirit change my life hallelujah praise God I want to tell you and I want to get a hold of myself ahead of myself for tonight because I'm going to preach part two tonight to what I'm preaching today but I want to tell you it's still proper to run the aisles at MPC it's still proper to dance and shout at MPC it's still proper amen to get drunk in the Holy Ghost at MPC I want to tell you that it's still proper to praise God with all your heart hallelujah whatever that looks like for you praise him praise him focus on worshiping God in spirit and rejoicing in Christ my chiefest joy needs to be Christ my chiefest joy needs to be Christ in Christ alone I'm going to throw this right here just in the middle of what I'm talking about I'm going to be hopefully bringing up a We'll be teaching a series here that we're working on uh, covering the seven churches of Revelation. But when you read that scripture in Romans 10 and 17 that says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord, you have to understand the context to get the greatness of that verse. Because if it were just that you heard the word and that produced faith, then everybody that's ever heard a message would be getting faith. Everybody that has read the Bible would be getting faith. Everybody that listens to the word would get faith. The distinction is that that is not logos. Amen. That is uh, uh, rama or from the rama word. That means the spoken word of Christ. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. What does that mean? When I get a revelation of Jesus Christ, faith begins to come inside of me. Amen. So it, Christ should be my chief joy. It should be my, my, my passion to get in the word of God and begin to study until I see Christ. Paul said, he that glorieth. Let him glory in the Lord. Then the third thing is he said, don't trust your flesh. Don't have any confidence in your flesh. Be, be, be careful that you don't try to pacify your flesh or console your flesh or, or to simply say, I, I, I'm going to make my flesh be the one that I am persuaded by. My flesh is persuading me. No, I'm a worshiper of God. 
I am a pursuer of Christ and my flesh doesn't control me. My flesh does not lead me. I've got to be led by the Spirit and I've got to be led by the Word. Jesus Christ needs to be the center of my life. Amen. The focus of worship needs to be center of my daily activity, not just in church. My relationships ought to have Christ as the focus. My area of my work ought to have Christ as my focus. I want to keep the main thing the main thing because if I have joy, then it doesn't matter what is happening around me. I can still have joy if I have have Christ, then I have peace that passes understanding. Even when the dogs are around me, even when the evil workers are around me, I can have him if my focus is on Christ. I'm talking about the path to passion. Next thing Paul talks about is in verse 4 through 6. Path to passion requires that we get our priorities set. Correctly. Get our priorities set correctly. It is extremely easy to forget what God intends to be the primary in our life and concentrate on the secondary things that seem to be so urgent, but they are not important. Satan does not care how, how much faith we possess as long as the Lord is not first in our life. Amen. Satan doesn't care how often I come to church as long as the Lord is not the Lord of my life. But there ought to be a, a mindset that says, I'm setting some priorities. If you want passion in your life, then set some priorities according to what God wants. Look what Paul says in, in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 4. <clears throat> Though I might also have confidence in the flesh. He just said, don't trust your flesh. But Paul says that I might have confidence in the flesh. If any, man, uh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Do you know how, what a bad statement that is? I mean bad and like, oh. Paul's just saying, saying it like it is. He said, you think you got a reason to trust? You think you're smart? I'm smarter. You think you know some stuff? I know more than you. Mm. He said, verse 5, circumcised the eighth day. Of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, concerning passion, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is of the law, blameless. Here's what he said I could do. This is what his life was. Rejoicing over being circumcised on the eighth day. That means that he wasn't a proselyte. That means he wasn't a, a, an Ishmaelite because the Ishmaelites were circumcised on the 13th year and proselytes would be circumcised upon their selective conversion. But he said, I am a Hebrew. On the eighth day, I was circumcised. Of the stock of Israel, I am no fraud. Amen. I am a direct descendant of Israel. I am no fraud. I have the pedigree. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin, a tribe that had a foremost place among the armies. Amen. He did not belong to a renegade, renegade tribe. He was not some uh, half-breed he was, a, he was a tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. Not only a pure blood, but he was not entangled with modern Hellenistic culture of the day. He was a man that understood the teaching of the Hebrews. He said, as touching the law, I was a Pharisee. I was the strictest. I was a member of the strictest sect. A man that pursued the, the, the law, that pursued living for God. I had that. And touching zeal, he was passionate about, passionate about persecuting the church. A life consumed with, with his, his spotless pedigree, his, his heritage, and, and who he was, and where he came from. It was, it was based upon priorities that were out of order. It was based upon a pedigree that, that he, he was saying before, this is what I based my life on. You think you're smart? I'm smarter than you. You think you got a pure heritage? Mine is purer than you. You think that you are a good follower of the law? I was a Pharisee. You think you had passion? I persecuted and I killed for it. You think that you, you were so good? He, he said, touching the righteousness which is of the law, I was blameless. You couldn't put your finger on me. I kept all the law from my youth 
up. He kept the commandments of God. He was religious and relentless in his passion for the law. But one day he met Christ on the road to Damascus. And all of a sudden the script was flipped. And he began to get his uh, priorities in order. I want to tell you today, it doesn't matter who you come from. It doesn't matter what family you come from. It doesn't matter how long you've been a member of MPC. You want your passion. You don't trust in that that pedigree. You don't trust in your, your past, but you trust in a present Lord. You trust in a present King today. Can you give God praise today? I watch people who attempt to live for God and their priorities are out of whack in their family and they wonder why they don't have any passion. I watch people who say that they want to be uh, 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 faithful to God. Amen. They want to come to church. Backsliders who want to come to church, I'm going to be there. Amen. But their priorities are out of whack. You want to know how to get a passion back from, from, from the enemy that has tried to steal it from you? Set your priorities in the place with God. Hallelujah. Set your priorities. It's not what you know. It's not what your past is. It's not what you've done. It's about where you are right now with the Lord. Somebody say priorities. The path to passion also has the right goals. Right goals. Look at verse 7. Philippians 3 and 7. But what things were gained to me? All that pedigree, all of that, all those former priorities. He said, I counted loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung. They're manure to me, that I may win Christ. Compared with Christ, they're manure to me. And be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Passion is meaningless if we don't have the right goal. The right goal. There are people today who are passionate and blowing up themselves with a self, with a bomb strapped to their, their, their chest. That's passion. But a passion without the right kind of goal is dangerous. With priorities out of order and goals out of order. There are many passionate people, people out there. People that, that, that have passion that leads them down the, the line of flesh. To pursue the flesh or after the enemy. Paul said, I count. I consider, I consider, I esteem them. I count all things but loss. The message here is, is very clear. My focus must be on Christ. He must be my goal. I've suffered the loss of all things. Jesus Christ became the focus of Paul's life when once the Torah, the, 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 the Pharisees and, and, and persecuting the church was his focus, but the Lord came along and saved him. And Paul began to say, my very best that I had before is nothing but manure to me now. Because what I have now, I win Christ, is worth so much more. When you have the attitude that whatever, whatever success you've had, whatever amount of, of money you've earned, really doesn't mean anything in the scheme of things. Because there's one pursuit, there's one goal, and that is Christ. Paul said that I may be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through faith of Christ. I, have been, I want to be found in him. How about that? Refocusing our priorities, readjusting our goals, puts us on the path to passion. Look at Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10, and this is where the passion begins to come out. This is Paul's passion statement in Philippians 3 and 10 that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable unto his death that I may know him I don't care what the Romans mark me it doesn't matter what the Hebrews mark me I want to know him amen and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering being made conformable 
unto his death. If by any means I might attain to the resurrection of the dead. Not as though I had already attained. Either were already perfect. But I follow after. I've got a passion he is saying to be mature in Christ. I've got a passion that I may be apprehended for that which I also I am apprehended of Christ. I want to be what Christ wants me to be. Is anybody in this room today that can say I have a passion. I want to be what Christ wants me to be. Not my concept of what I want to be. But what does Christ say about me? What is my future in Him? Come on and give Him praise in this place. What would make a man that once had a valuable career, he was headed for great things, walk away from it? What would make a man say no to that unless he had found a treasure that's greater than that? A treasure that is greater than that. What would make him say, I want this? In verse 10, he says that I may know him, that I may pursue him. Paul found something better to be passionate about than persecuting the church. He deploys a greater passion to relentlessly pursue Jesus Christ and spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul says, all things that I, I counted as gain, I now say they're lost, that I may win Christ. Now, lest you think that passion makes your life a bed of ease, Let me read to you about his passion and his perils. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 22. Here he is talking about his, his past, and he says, Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. He's just saying, I'm I'm just talking to you from my heart right now. He said, I am more in labors more abundantly, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I've been in the deep, in journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, besides those things that are without that which cometh upon me daily, the care of the churches. Amen. Paul has written his bio and saying this is my life but what would keep him continuing in this kind of life passion passion he still wanted to preach the gospel he still wanted to live for God no matter what happened to him no matter how people treated him no matter what he went through he still had a passion to live for God how is your passion level this morning are you letting this world drain you are you letting somebody's talk drain you are you letting little issues and petty things drain you or you can stand up and say I've got my own perils but I also have my own passion I've got my own perils but I've got my own passion oh don't let your perils drain you of your passion when you have the right purpose the right priority you can certainly pursue greater passion Would you stand with me, please? Paul is saying, I gave everything I found important because I found something else more important. I gave up all my, my, I counted it, I counted it. Not that he didn't love it anymore, not that he didn't, wasn't thankful for what had happened to him in any respect or because he denounced his Hebrew life. Absolutely not. But what he is saying is, I found something to have passion about. Have you found something to have passion about? Have you found a reason to love the Lord 
and to have something that is of a greater gain than what you once did. Maybe your passion feels a little drained today. Mine has been. Maybe your passion feels a little drained. I want to just give you a quick rehearsal and summary. Start rejoicing. You want your passion back? Start rejoicing and stop pointing fingers to everything that's going on in your life. Start rejoicing. Everybody say, start rejoicing. Number two is watch for the dogs. Watch for passion zappers. Watch for those that are, that, that are butchers and attitudes that are butchers. Watch for that and, and guard yourself against it. Number three is set your focus on worshiping God in the spirit, rejoicing in Christ, and get that flesh in its proper place. Set your focus. Number four, put your priorities in order. Amen. Understand that nobody is nothing without Christ as their final pursuit. Final pursuit. Amen. So put your priorities in order. And number five is what is your goal? What's the end goal? That I may know him. That I may know him. That I may know him. Come what may, that I may know him. Come what may, that I may know him. Amen. You study the church leaders of the first church, you will find that every disciple, every apostle was martyred, save John the Baptist, or rather John the Revelator. Every one of them was martyred except for John. And they tried to kill him, put him in boiling oil, and couldn't kill him. That's a bad dude. Put him on Patmos, and he didn't die there. Amen. What do you want your life to be? Do you want it to be like, like, like the men that stood around looking at Goliath and saying, we can't, we can't handle this? Or do you want to be the David that says, I got enough passion for the whole nation. I got enough passion to face this character down. I'll throw a sling with a stone in it and knock his head right off. God, help us to have passion. Lord, we come to you right now. Thank you for listening to the MPC Podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthened you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorchurch.com to learn more about our ministry.